Welcome to the Abundance Hub podcast. My name is Jessica Shembury. As an empowerment coach, mentor, and speaker, I'm dedicated to helping people learn how to live authentically in alignment with their values. I truly believe that everyone is capable of greatness. If you are looking for an honest and refreshingly down-to-earth podcast that can help you become the best version of yourself, you have come to the right place. Think of this podcast as your go-to weekly dose of mindset development. Get ready to feel empowered because the tools and strategies I'm sharing will absolutely change the way you think. Please visit theabundancehub.com to read more about my offerings and subscribe to receive a free gift straight to your inbox. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's begin. Hey guys, welcome to episode 55 in my second year of podcasting now and absolutely loving every single minute of it. I'm so excited to bring this episode to you today, which is based around my lessons and stories from India. I have a feeling this could be a super long episode or it could be kind of, um, it could be the case that I can't talk about everything in one episode and I have a feeling that's where I'm going to get to. Anyway, today I really just wanted to start off by eating, by speaking clearly to you guys. <laughs> today I wanted to start off by announcing something super exciting. This week I launched my membership portal, which is called Five People. And this membership portal is something that is available to every single one of you for only $7 a week. It is crazy cheap. It's, um, I'm pretty sure I paid $5 for a almond milk latte the other day. So this for $7 a week is just insane. Fucking insane. If I might be honest. And basically what this is, is your chance to be a member of my private little club. And I've called it five people because you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So I have spent the past year getting my crew together and connecting with incredible people within and and not just within my industry, not just other coaches, but people who have been through huge amounts of trauma, people who have survived um, survived all sorts of all sorts of traumas and illnesses, psychologists, top coaches who work alongside the likes of Tony Robbins. Uh, There are some people that are coming into this group that you just will be blown away by in the coming 12 months. Trust me when I tell you, you are going to want to be a part of this. The other thing is, if you love the podcast, then you're going to fucking love five people because we really, really do need people in our lives that raise us up and we need people in our lives that can keep us accountable. When I'm searching for friends and mentors and people to surround myself with, I always ask myself, you know, is this person at my level or are they a little bit above? Is this person able to add value to my life or are they taking value away? What I want for myself and for my family is what I want for each and every one of you. And that is to, to be able to surround yourself with people who you know are going to challenge you, people who are going to play devil's advocate, people who are going to bring new thought processes into your world. Because if we sit around with the same five people for the next 50 years, things will stay the same. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned in India is that when we change the the things we see, that we change the way we see. 
And so for me, bringing this to you is an exciting way to be able to help you change what you see. And when you change what you see, you change the way you see. And when you change the way you see, we avoid pain. We start to move away from these experiences that are negative. And so within this group, for just $7 a week, you are going to have access to me coaching you weekly. You're going to have access to over 30 other professionals this year alone that are going to come in, professionals and experts and people who have been through so much adversity you couldn't imagine going in there and adding value. But the best part is, is that this is a a space where it's no holding back. So if you think this podcast is great, then you're going to love it because you've got to be a part of it. You've got to know what's in that private area. I know for me, I hate FOMO and I'm going to I'm going to create that for you guys. You don't want to miss out because the stuff we're talking about in there is just next level to anything I've ever spoken about over here on the podcast or anything I've ever spoken about over on my social media channels. And if you want to be part of that, it's easy. It's so, so easy. Just go to my website, which is jessicashembury.com.au. Follow the link to become a member of five people. It's super easy. You can cancel anytime. So for just $7, you can take a chance and see what you think and see if it's impacting your life the way I intended to. So with that said, I'm going to jump into my lessons and stories from India. And I just want to thank you guys in advance because your support means that I can keep on doing this. So by saying to me, yep, you know what? I want to go and be a part of your five people membership portal by committing that $7 a week, which is such a tiny amount in the big scheme of things. It means that I can bring bigger and better content to you every single week, not only within there, but also within this podcast, which is always, always going to be available to you guys. I commit to doing this every week for the rest of time or until podcasts go out of fashion. (laughs) Anyway, um, India, I got back from India a week ago today And it's actually been something that I've been so excited to share with you guys, but it's also been something that has been so overwhelming. I, um, I experienced so many ups and downs going on this trip. And if you're watching my Instagram, you would have seen, I had some really emotional times before I left and during the trip. It was something that I really had to make a conscious effort of as well was that I wanted to share with you guys and yeah, I'm great. And my girlfriend Kira is great at taking photos of me. I'm great at taking pictures of my travels. Um, I also have created a video which will have been posted to my social media today. So in alignment with listening, listening to this, you can go and watch my IGTV or my YouTube and watch a 20 minute wrap up video of our India travels, which is super fun, but without context around what the trip means or meant to me, it's super easy just to watch that video and go, wow, it's really pretty. And wow, she did a great job of editing that video and the background music and all that. But the trip itself was a really, really deep and a really profound experience for me. It was something that, um, I, I, I had to push myself to do. It was something that, I had to do that was uncomfortable. I didn't, well, I didn't have to do it, but I I felt that I was called to do this, to, to go on this trip. So I'll give you a bit of a background around how I got to this trip. And then I'm going to just share some of the beautiful things that happened along the way. But, um, I attended this trip with a group of 36 people through MJB. So MJB seminars are my, one, are two of my personal coaches. I actually, at, at this point in time, I have three main 
personal coaches that I've hired. And then on top of that, I have about 10 other mentors that I work with. So just to give you a basis around what's going on down in the five people membership portal, there's a lot happening between all of these masterminds that I work alongside. But, um, this trip was organized by MJB, Mitch and Mills from MJB seminars and their amazing team and crew. And so it wasn't just a holiday. Uh, it was a trip that was designed to help us expand our minds. And we were, we had coaching available to us 24 seven, if we wanted it. And we were traveling with a group of people that have all done the same or a similar, similar level of personal development work. So I, over the past probably 18 months to two years have pretty much put myself through the paces of everything that MJB offer. I, um, I've done three or four seminars. Some of them I've done twice. I'm now in the process of going to crew and to help out and to become a licensed equilibrator in the future. And so these guys are people that I really do trust with my life. Um, they have, they have helped me in ways that I can't even explain in terms of my own personal development and in terms of the incredible amount of knowledge that they share with me and that they, they gift me. Um, you know, I have got to be honest with you guys. They've, they've been an integral part of saving my relationship so many times. They've been an integral part of helping me thrive as a parent. They have been an integral part of helping me in my business and how I grow it and how I expand it. And all of those things are as a result of having people around me that I trust. So when I decided to go off with them to India, it was a big deal. And it was something that I chose to do without my partner, without my husband, without my family. Um, we had no idea of what we would be doing, where we would be going. We weren't given an itinerary. We basically just paid it off and then we got on the plane. They booked our tickets for us, our accommodation, our food, everything. So it was a big, big, it was an exercise in trust. It was a big exercise in trust. But one of my highest values is travel and it's super, super important guys for you to understand, because I know that there were a lot of people that messaged me and said, how could you do like how it must've been really hard to travel without your, without your partner and without your kids and all those things. And I don't know if I could ever do that. And the thing is guys, is that when you are really connected into what your values are, you must live in alignment with them or you will be unhappy. And so, yes, as part of travel being one of my highest values. Some of that travel in the future involves us as a family. And some of that travel involves me traveling for my business. And then some of that travel involves me traveling on my own or with groups of people that are uh, committed to the same level of personal development as I am. So as a whole, what I found on the trip was that because there were people there that all have mission statements that have all done their work, that have all had their, you know, innermost thoughts equilibrated and all these things, we were just all on the same page. And so the level of conversation was uh, as a, was as a whole, it was a high level of conversation. We, we got to chat really openly and honestly with each other about stuff. And there was none of this bullshit kind of low grade general chit chat happening because a lot of the time when we got into conversations, we were equally exchanging with each other. And that's a beautiful place to be. Um, it's so incredible because when I was on the trip, I was actually on one of the, um, one, one of the flights that we were, that we were doing. 
And I had this moment where I was thinking about this stuff and I thought, wow, the conversations are really flowing. Everyone's at this same level. This is super cool. There's a few people here that are challenging me. I'm challenging a few people where we weren't afraid to talk openly and honestly and kind of help each other talk deeply about stuff, talk about things at a level that you wouldn't normally hear people speak at. Um, and that's what happens when you get people who are highly committed to their growth in, in an airplane and in a bus and on a trip together. Right. But it was like, Oh wow. I'm so on the right track with this, with, with my release, with my, Oh, I'm so on the right track. And I knew that you guys needed something like my five people membership portal. And I was on the plane. I was writing furiously into my phone notes. And I just thought to myself, wow, you've known this all along. You've known that people crave this. I mean, we paid tens of thousands of dollars to go on a trip to surround ourselves with people that were like-minded and with people that we could talk to at the level we wanted to, we could engage with at the level we wanted to. And so that was something that was so cool. Uh, we had so many different flights and bus trips and a lot of the, a few of the times I actually went to Mitch and Mills, my coaches and said, Hey, can I have some of your time? And we would sit on the bus and, you know, hours of driving through India, just fleshing out stuff and just, just raising myself to new levels. And I've got to be honest with you guys. There was a post that I did. Um, I feel like I'm going to get emotional already. Um, but there was a post that I did while I was in India and there have been, so I'm, I'm human, right? So as much as I'm a coach and as much as I know, I add tons of value. There were times on the trip where I felt really weak. There were times on the trip where I was dealing with my own personal stuff, um, where there was so many things coming up back at home. And, and these things are just part of life guys. It wasn't like I just went on this trip and everything at home flowed perfectly and the kids didn't miss me and hubby and I didn't fight. We, we had arguments when we were away. There was, there was issues that we both had to deal with. There were things that came up. There were kids missing us. There were bills that had to get paid. There was the fucking coronavirus on top of it. Right? <laughs> so as, as magical as the trip looked, it, nothing is ever one-sided. There are always two sides to every coin. And so as much highs as I experienced, I experienced some fucking huge lows and some emotional, I felt like I was dragged through the mud. I felt like I was trampled by the cows in India. (laughs) Um, but it was a beautiful experience with all of that wrapped up together. It was not a one-sided trip. It was a two-sided trip with the ups and downs, the squatty potties, the dirt, the grind, the flies, the magic, everything rolled into one. Um, but I really, really want you guys to know that because I know that when we watch on and we watch people's lives from the outside, we often go, wow, she's got it made. She's figured things out. Look at her go. And it was such a high, low emotional trip. We added an eye infection into that as well. And, uh, myself and my beautiful friend, Kira, we were, we were roomies, man, we laughed as much as we cried, (laughs) but it was, it was a phenomenal emotional, um, trip that provided me with so much growth. Um, it opened my heart so much and it created this stillness inside of me that I have never felt before. And it's taken me a few days, um, and a 
fucking shit week to get to the point of even being happy to record this. And I know I'm going to have to do part two. I know you guys are going to have more questions and I haven't even gotten through half of my notes. I think I looked over the first, I think the trip was like 18 or 19 days. And I think I've gotten up to day three in terms of the notes that I'm sharing with you today. Cause I journaled every single day and I found some beautiful stuff in there reading back. And I'm like, I'm only up to day three, Jesus Christ. So um, I'm going to share some stuff with you today, but it has, it's, it's been like this huge high. And then I got home and everything just went and I felt like I was about to implode. Um, Ryan and I were not having a hugely successful, great time as a couple. I'm sure there was tons of things that, you know, got brought up with me being away and all this stuff. And I tell you this because I'm here to be open and transparent. I'm not here to just be like, oh my God, the trip was magic. Oh my God, the kids were gorgeous because that's just part of what the trip was about. Um, I call it a trip, not a holiday because of that very reason, because it was about growth. But, um, so I got home and then, you know, back to, to reality and back to enjoying the kids and, um, and things just happening. And, and to be honest, you know, my poor hubby, his, his business has suffered hugely in the space of dealing with this coronavirus and cancel cancellation of large events, which is what he deals with on a daily basis is large events as a wedding photographer. So it was, it was a little bit of like, come home and get into crisis mode. So it was pretty pretty freaking crazy to be honest the last week. And then I'm doing this launch and I'm busy. And then I choose to take Scarlett out of school and I am tired and my eyes are sore and I'm running out of contact lenses and I'm worrying about toilet paper. And the ironic thing is we were over in India with the shittest toilets and sometimes squatty potties. I avoided them at all costs with toilet paper in our bags. It's 0.5 ply. It's not one ply or two ply like it is here. Uh, so thankfully for me, I learned how to stay clean um, on very little toilet paper over there. So that was one thing I learned in India that I could bring back here and successfully put into action straight away with the shortage of toilet paper at the moment. Um, I honestly thought about doing a whole podcast on coronavirus and all of that. And then I did a couple of IGTVs and I've been doing some stuff over there on Instagram instead, because I felt like this was just so much more important to share with you with some of the things that came out of India. And I, I definitely think that I'll need to do another one on storytelling. Oh my God. I'm like 20 minutes in and I haven't even started, but yeah, I've, um, I've come home with a beautiful open heart, um, and a really, a really good sense of stillness and a new level of perspective. And I kind of knew that that's some of the things I would come home with. I hoped it was, um, perspective is a big thing. And I think that for a lot of people, when we, uh, when we, see people going to places like India. It's like, Oh, you're going to be going to have all these eye opening experiences because you're going to see people in poverty. Um, and I was definitely thinking that, uh, I have traveled to, to Bali and to Thailand and places like that and experienced poverty. I've seen poverty in the U S um, homelessness and all those different things. So it, it's not a new thing to me to be aware and acutely aware that there are people living below the poverty line and there are very different standards of living throughout the world. But, um, yeah, you kind of feel like you're going to go over there and you're going to have a teary and you're going to, you know, you see these people with, um, you know, with limbs missing and you see these kids begging on the street and you see all this stuff. And it, it is something that a lot of people 
and I'm not saying this to degrade anyone, but a lot of people who are not, who are not as expansive with their way of thinking are just like, Oh wow. Like this is crazy. I can't believe people live like this, but then we go home and we do nothing about it. And so for me, I, I really wanted to, to try and delve deeper into the learning I could receive from the, the people in India. And it's surprising to know that yes, a third of the, a third of their population live below the poverty line, but man, oh man, they have so much abundance. Um, I think that we are so led to believe that things, homes, cars, clothing, makeup, all those things, um, eating out at nice restaurants, especially all the things that we feel like maybe getting taken away from us right now, we can be led to believe that things create happiness for us. Um, but the, the people that have nothing always seem the happiest and, and there's, there's more to it than, than just the simple, well, they've got nothing, but they're so happy and they're so nice. It's not just because they're living there in this simplistic world. It's because they have so much more than, than us in so many ways. One thing that I saw when I had the opportunity to go through little villages and had the opportunity to watch people, uh, and it's so unfortunate that I couldn't film or share any of this because when we were in temples and, um, and in some palaces and things like that, we couldn't actually take photos or film, but to watch families create, um, create and follow through with rituals every day to enjoy their family life at the most simplistic level to, um, I'm not, I'm not very religious or I'm not really religious at all, to be honest, but I really do believe in the power of ritual. And I see that religion brings ritual into people's lives. So people honoring God, people attending, um, going to temples every day or every week with their family. One thing that I saw was that when I was able to observe people in those spaces, it was quite incredible to see how much they actually had. And they created most of their abundance through everything that was free. And it was, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful to watch. Um, oh, here we go. Here comes the tears. Um, I've got goosebumps as well. I was, I was actually in one temple and I watched this little family come through and these couple of quite young children around probably Leo's age, um, and about maybe three or four. And I just had this overwhelming sense that I could tell that they didn't have a lot of money or a lot of abundance financially. They probably didn't live in a really beautiful home because around that temple, there wasn't a lot of beautiful homes. Um, there were a lot of low, what we would class as low level living standards. We had traveled to this temple on a rickshaw, they call them, which is basically like a man who rides a bike with a cart on the back and carries two or three people. Humbling to say the least for me and Kira to glamorously jump onto this bloody rickshaw with our hats and our scarves and our essential oils and it was really, it was quite weird. I think I held back a lot of the emotion. Um, but this man, he must've been at least 65 and he peddled us like for 30 to 40 minutes on this thing through these towns to get to this temple. And we found it thrilling and exhilarating and it was heaps of fun. And we, um, we got to definitely smell all the smells of India and we got squished between cars and trucks and cows. And I witnessed people just, you know, finding a block of shade and having a sleep on the, on the concrete as we, as we pedaled past. Um, 
so there was definitely not a lot of abundance in this area as, as per se, I suppose, or as you would expect, but these people just are abundant in things that we aren't. And those things are, are things that I've come home and really focused on cultivating for my future. Since I've gotten home, like I said, I've had a huge ups and downs this week. It's been, I, I actually feel like lightness and stillness as well as tight, a tight chest and an uneasiness all at once. Um, again, these are, these are things that we experience and that we're put here to experience together. We don't, we don't experience, you know, one thing without the other. Oh, so the things that I'm focusing on now, the shifts that I'm looking to make for my family, um, are some of the best and biggest lessons that I've gotten from India. And a lot of you might think, oh, well, that's, that was all obvious. But for me, some of those things weren't. So we perceive these people have nothing. We perceive they're living in poverty. And yes, we class them as living in poverty. They live below the poverty line. Um, the money they earn, like the amount I took out for my trip, they wouldn't earn in, in sometimes half a year. But what they have that we choose not to have and that we choose not to cultivate is they have a lot of time. They have a lot to give in terms of their presence. They have huge amounts of connection with their family. A lot of them actually get to spend all day, every day with their family. They're not sitting on computers, hustling hard, doing all the things we do. They're abundant in, in family time and in the ability to follow through with rituals. They're abundant in that simple life and just loving each other. They're abundant in respect and they honor each other and they do everything with integrity. They don't get caught up in comparison. They don't do any of that because they are living simply and they believe they have everything they need within the space they're living. And they do. And so that was a beautiful, beautiful eye-opening lesson for me to really not just know, but to, to know deeply because I'd been able to experience it. Um, the Indians are all about karma and they believe that no matter what situation they're in, in this life, in the next life, they always receive bigger and better if they do the right thing in this life. Um, the funny thing is, is that as much as we got to experience that, that poverty and that, that side of India, we also got to stay in palaces and we also stayed in the company of royalty. And from our, from our perspective, we, we think, Ooh, royalty palaces. Ooh, this must be, this must be all, all abundant and fancy. And yeah, it was in a lot of ways, but even, uh, Naina, who was one of the, um, or I believe he was some sort of a royal, but he was a very, you know, seemingly important person in, in India. Even him, um, so humble and so lived so simply, didn't need all the finer things in life. Um, the opulence wasn't the, the thing that they were striving for. One of the most beautiful things that he said is that, you know, you live your life to give. The only people you really ever take from is God and from your parents. But the rest of the people you know in your life, your main focus is to be giving to them. Um, your hand should always be down. It should be facing down giving instead of facing up and taking. And what a beautiful message that is. I mean, it's, it's so simple, but we just do not see the world like this. You know, we, a lot of us can be so cynical and a lot of us can, 
live in scarcity and live in desperation and live in comparison. And that those words just don't seem to exist in India. Um, those feelings don't seem to exist. And so to experience the, the levels of poverty, but then also to experience some beautiful levels of abundance and, and feel no different because Naina being, you know, uh, an important person, being a busy person, um, his, his impact throughout India is crazy. He helps so many villages. Um, he personally knows half a million people, uh, by name, I believe he's had Oprah and the Dalai Lama stay at the, um, palace that we stayed at. Like, come on guys, this is crazy. Um, this is what happens when you travel with people who know people, right? (laughs) A lot of people are like, how did you do that? We also stayed in, in a fort that his family owns and has been around for thousands of years. And they recently restored that fort, um, beforehand, before that the fort was there to protect people in times of need, but had become, um, you know, obviously just really, really run down and wasn't being used. And so they restored it and they have created now a place where people can come and stay. I don't know if you'd call it a, a hotel, but it's a, it's accommodation. It's beautiful. It's been done so well. And Nana and his wife have actually done that all with their own money, um, with the, the income they've been able to create and then an abundance to give to other families. It's took, taken them five years to complete this, um, this place called the Diggy Fort, which is in Diggy. And, um, and we were blessed enough to be the first people to stay there. So the first foreigners to stay there in over 300 years. So when we drove through, through this old village, um, the village wouldn't, wouldn't have seen foreigners. Like the kids in the village would have never seen foreigners because if they hadn't left their own village, other than maybe on their phones, um, if they hadn't left their village, they wouldn't have seen foreigners. And so we were loaded up onto the backs of those big trucks that people get in and out of the city on, um, no backs on them standing up like little, um, sardines in a tin. And we were, we were taken like as a procession through that village. And then we got to the front of Diggy, Diggy Fort and we were taken in and treated to an incredible amount of hospitality. But even in those moments, and I might share that whole story bigger and better later, but even in those moments, the biggest thing that Nana gave us, yes, he treated us to fireworks and champagne and beautiful food and music and performance. And he gave us so much hospitality, but the biggest thing he gave us was his presence and his time. He sat with nearly everyone, every 36 of us and got to know us. And he gave us his advice and and these are the beautiful gifts that I feel I got out of India that are just so much more important than any of the, um, any of the perceived materialistic things. So, um, that was a really, really beautiful thing that I learned and an experience that I had in India. I felt like, you know, I, I had written so many notes and it's so hard to, to share everything. I probably don't even want to look at my notes to be honest, but there were so many funny little things that happened. Um, which I'd love to share with you on a bit more of a lighthearted note. But when you're in India, they call it Indian stretchable time. Um, everything slows down in India. Everything takes time in India. If it's a one hour bus trip, it's probably going to take two hours. Um, your food takes longer. They, they look at you and they do that little head wobble. And basically what that means is I'm hearing you, but I'm not sure if I can help you. And so (laughs) you go through life in India 
asking questions saying, oh, can I order a um, iced Americano or can I order a butter naan? And they wobble their head at you, which means like, yes, I, I can. I'm hearing you, but I don't know if I can help you. And you're wondering if your coffee is going to come. You're wondering how long it will take because Indian stretchable time is a thing. Um, you've got a sensory overload when you go to India and the biggest advice we got was just be okay with the Indian stretchable time. And when crossing the road, walk like a cow. <laughs> and what that means is like, don't stop, just keep going because people will stop for you if you're in the way. Um, the traffic over there is insane. If you've been to Bali or in, um, or Thailand, like you'd know it's similar, but then there's just a myriad of animals everywhere. Like you've got dogs, you've got pigs, you've got cows, you've got sometimes goats. Um, and then you've just got so many cars, so many people, so many, um, bikes, motorbikes and scooters and trucks and buses, and there's just no crossings and there's no light or not, not many lights. And so it's crazy. So you've got to walk like a cow. And if you want to cross the road, you've just got to get on board and saunter on over. So we had much fun doing that. Um, but you know, one of the things that I felt when I was over there is that we just, we seem to, a lot of us seem to spend so much time trying to fix the way we think, um, instead of just finding that peace right now. And that was something that I really, really got from, from India was that they have an abundance of everything they need and they don't have a perception that anything isn't perfect the way it is because they, they tend to believe in, you know, that good karma and they, they believe in that reincarnation. And so having, having that faith allows them to just be happy in the now, instead of having all these huge expectations. Um, you know, I love that. I love that way of thinking. Another thing I really loved about India was just the social aspect of people's lives, which I kind of touched on earlier. Um, just the abundance of time they get with their families. Yes, they may not have the the most biggest, beautiful homes. I mean, there are a lot of corporate people in India. There are a lot of people that earn really good money, but especially on the other side in the villages, there was this messiness and this busyness and this complete perfection between calm and chaos that existed together. And it was like, no one was in a rush yet. No one was slowing down. Everything just kind of happened together and everything was so social. And I know that for me, um, fun and connection is high in my values. And so for me, I was just like, how cool is this? This is the best way to live. Um, whereas at home, I often feel like I sit for so many hours of my day on my own. I feel like I lack that social aspect so much, you know, um, it's crazy. Like they, the, the families eat together, you know, even our, even our tour guide or the guide that we had been, that we've been out, MJB have been working with him for, for years and years. His name's Vikram. Even he, like he's just finished his home with his family and his friends live next door and his other friends live on the other side and everything's about sociable, um, co-collaboration, you know, that they all cook together and they all eat together and they do everything together. Um, and I love that. I wish I could just live next to all my besties in the same street. I think if you guys are ever listening to my podcast, we should seriously plan that for our future. <laughs> um, but you know, I really, really loved that. And I felt like I really needed to bring more of that back in. It's so funny how like we try to make plans to meet up with our friends and it can take two weeks. Whereas living in India, everything is just about 
being with the people you love. And I really, really want to try and get more of that into my life. Um, being okay with chaos and calm, being more in flow. Um, and instead of processing everything in hindsight, which is what I've just done right there, um, my aim in the future is really to be more aware right in the present moment. And I'd love for that for you guys too. Ah, another thing that I learned from India, not, not many stories, more learnings this, this week, but another thing that I learned was just to put my opinions aside. Um, it's a difficult thing to do when, um, when you're in India. So we had some experiences where like in airport lines or in toilet lines where the Indian women don't seem to care that you're there. So it's like, well, you're a foreigner. We're going in front of you. Can you imagine if we did that in Australia? <laughs> um, man, that would be funny. It wouldn't be funny for all the, all the tourism that comes into Australia, but people just didn't give a shit. Um, and for the first few times we kind of accepted it. And then after that, we were like, no, 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 there's a line where you can wait at the end of the line where all, we all need to pee. Um, or we all want to order our food, but, um, but one of the gifts that came from that was just putting our opinions aside and being loving and compassionate, um, and attaching less emotion to things. Um, because what I found, and one of the biggest lessons that I learned was that when you attach less emotion to things in general, in life, you're evolving, you're evolving at a bigger, better, more rapid rate when you are able to attach less emotion. So instead of getting pissed off, um, something that would have been easy to do years ago, you know, just gotten really cranky about these women, uh, forcing their way in front of us in the toilet line. Um, when you resist less and when you are able to just detach and not get emotional and just be more calm and level headed, you evolve and you experience less pain as a result. You experience less discomfort as a result. And man, that's freeing. That's probably the biggest and best lesson that I've received. Um, so I'm happy I got to that point. I'm like, yeah, that was good, Jess. That was a really good lesson. Um, and one of the things that I wrote, which um, actually, well, I'll talk, keep talking about this interaction. So interaction with people as a, as a whole is really a true, true test of how humble you can be. And that was something that really you could see um, I could see areas where I really had to improve in that. And I could see other areas where I did well in it. But one thing for me is I kind of wish I'd interacted more with more people. Um, but I realized that for me to do that, I had to go, I had to become more humble. And so being, being alone, it's easy, right? But when you're traveling as a group and when you're interacting with people, it really shows your humility and it really shows uh, it really tests how humble you can be. And so there were a couple of times where I felt like I did really well at interacting and I was really proud and I actually got some beautiful experiences. So you'll see on the video, there was one part where we went and watched this Chinese fishing method on the water. And there was a couple of men that we actually spoke to at the start of the trip. I was like, you know, all the Indians, where are you from? And immediately you, you move away from being humble and you're like, Oh, I don't want to talk to you. And um, we were all, we all do that kind of stuff, right? We think, oh, what do they want? And whereas the more and more I got through the trip, um, right up to, you know, experience Holy Festival, the, my ability to become more, more and more humble, uh, expanded throughout the trip. And so when we're at the Chinese fishing, um, system area on the water there, I really made that effort to just chat and it was really nice. And I actually filmed 
some of the chats that we had and it was a beautiful experience. Um, I think that if we could give our children these kind of gifts and our children these experiences of how to be more humble um, early on, it would be something beautiful. It would be a really, really nice gift. Um, But, yeah, what I realized was that um, being more humble is something we all really need to work on and there are so many ways we can do that right here in Australia or in the US or wherever you are listening from. I know I've got a lot of New Zealanders listening. Um, we don't need to travel to India to be able to exercise these these lessons and gifts and experience them. So if I can give you something today, it would be just nurturing flexibility and ease and timelessness within your days. Um, working harder with eye contact, working harder with giving people time and being humble, being in flow, asking your friends and people around you good quality questions. Um, interaction with people is a true test of who you are. It shows you who you are. And if you have trouble interacting with people, then you probably have trouble being honest with yourself around who you are and how you're showing up. What I realize is that our lives are perfect. Every experience and every choice we make is perfect. We can't regret the things we've done in the past. We only get to just accept it as perfect and we get to then take steps forward, left, right, or backwards every single day. Oh, it's been nice to say that. It's um, it's something that I've really, really felt, but I haven't really said out loud. So it's been nice to say that. Um, so yeah, my biggest takeaway for you guys, I'm going to wrap this up. I could talk about India for weeks and weeks on the podcast and I might share some more stories as I go along. I'm sure I will. Um, but nurture flexibility, have ease in your days, focus on trying to feel a sense of flow and a sense of timelessness whenever you can be humble, um, give people eye contact, be open to experiences. And just remember guys that when you change what you see, you change the way you see. And so you choose what you are looking at and what you perceive it to be. Um, pain only comes, um, we only experience pain because of the way we choose to see things. And so if we, if we go around life going, oh, I've made so many mistakes and everything's so hard right now, then we will experience pain. Um, especially in this time with COVID coronavirus, it's so easy to go. Life's so hard. Everything's difficult. We live in scarcity. Um, and then as a result of seeing it that way, we experience lots of pain, right? Um, it's easy to do that. Your choice to be flexible and to go with ease means that you can see things differently. You can see what's going on at the moment and go, it's all perfect. All my experiences and all my choices are perfect. I am so grateful for what I have. I see things in a positive light and we experience less pain when we choose to view the world that way. You don't need to travel to India to get these these, um, these epiphanies and these experiences and these levels of growth. You can, um, you can do all this right here in Australia. I hope you guys have enjoyed that. It seems like I have barely scratched the surface of India. Like I said, I only looked through my notes for the first three days and that's what I have got for you guys. But, um, thank you for tuning in. Please share this. And I would love your support in jumping online, going to www.jessicashembury.com.au 
and jumping on board and trying out my membership portal. It is called five people. And the truth is the five people that you surround yourself with will help you to either raise or lower your vibration and your frequency in this world and in this universe. The people that you surround yourself with will be, will help you determine the impact you make on this planet, on your children, on the people you love. And so I encourage you to jump on board. It's only $7 a week. It's so, so affordable. The price will not drop. It will not rise. It is always going to be $7 a week, but the sooner you get in, the sooner you can start surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you rise, become more flexible, become more open, more humble. And that's what we want for this world. That's especially what we need right now. So your support would mean everything to me. Thank you guys so much. Have a beautiful week and I'll be back soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Abundance Hub podcast. Please screenshot and share it with your friends because living abundantly means sharing things you love with the people around you. If you post on social media, make sure you use hashtag the abundance hub. And if you'd like to help us, please rate and review the podcast on Apple podcasts. It really helps me get the message out to more people. Congratulations on taking time to invest in yourself today.